nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living and joining me for a very unplanned episode this week, Sir Michael, we have... Uh, Paul Carmichael is a Desi Lou production. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, what? yes. You've been what? on the old I Love Lucy all week. Uh, a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I do find that quite incongruent with uh, your character in general. It's American. I know. Um, yes. You know, but... Oh, you've got a vape there, dear Paul, I see. Is is that a, a proper vape? That's, this is... I, I have a proper vape, absolutely. Yes. I decided a long time ago if I was going to quit cigarettes... Then I should get a proper vape like a man would have. A man, a manly vape, vape. Man manly vape. vape, man manly vape. vape. Well, yes. um, I also decided it was uh, time to quit the cigarettes, and so I went to the corner shop and and I got myself a, a lady vape. Lady vape. Lady vape. So, <laughs> should we have a taste of the lady vape? Go cool, on, let's try. Mm, 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 mm. I, I'm getting bonfires in winter. Uh, really? Hints of vanilla. No, um, blueberry lady flavour. Um, sour blueberry, sour raspberry. How do they do this? It's fascinating. I I got it yesterday, and I got it out of the packet, and just yeah. took the top off it, and and it was like, it just works. Yes. You know what? What witchcraft is this? Well, it's amazing. I I looking at that, I expected to make the noise of a duck. I'm quite disappointed that it doesn't. Yes, yes, that'd be good, wouldn't it? If it was one of those uh, duck hunting whistles. It does. As, I mean, as, you know. As used by Dave Allen in many sketches. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when I see you using it, it does make me sort of think of a, a young lady in the Crimean War giving a, a chap a little blowy before going off to war. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, know, those days are gone, dear. Me and you wouldn't oh, like yeah. war at all, would we? We would. Oh, uh, no. We would be asking our mothers to sew us up into the mattress if they uh, conscripted us. It's funny, oh, you know, oh. I'm uh, over the age of conscription. I'm all for it. Completely for it. Yes, I, I'm over the age as of a couple of years ago, and now I'm all for it all. Bring back national service immediately. I think I that that would be a really sensible policy for a happier Britain. Bring back national so. service. Let's see those children sweat. What about actually having a war? Do you think? I mean, I'm I'm quite keen Are on you? the idea of a war. Well, but I think you're yes, gonna, uh, you're going to be uh, happy then shortly thereafter. One. No, 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 no. Not like not like that. I don't want it to be like threads. Okay, oh, that's... do you mean one where Christopher Beanie turns up in his uniform in the drawing room? This is the sort of thing. What I'm imagining is people right. talking about, I have to go now, that sort of thing. And maybe, what I'm imagining is trench warfare. That's yeah, what they I don't like. have that now. No, but they should, shouldn't they? Because what you get with trench warfare... Now, I don't it's want good to drama. sound like... It's brilliant drama. Immediately yeah. good drama. And comedy. You know, it's all there. All elements of life. Yes. But I think what you would find... And I don't want to sound like a snob. That's the first thing. Let me let me just right then. This immediately me. gets my spidey senses tingling. No, 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 it, no, no. For no. the translator, that is. I do wish to sound like a snob. Oh no, no, I don't wish to sound like a snob. Go at on all. then. But I will ride right. the bus. Okay. What I think at the moment. I mean, obviously, people are saying, "Oh, there's too many people in the country." Maybe I don't know. But what I do think is, you've got quite a lot of angry people who. Oh, I'm going to sound bad, aren't I? Go on. You've got an awful lot of angry people who maybe would be better fighting for king and country, right? Right. So what you... Yeah, okay, so off they go to the trenches. You'd lose about, I don't know, five million of them or something like General that. General Johnson leading the charge? 
Oh, yeah, from Downing Street, no doubt. And essentially yes. then what you're going to do is you're going to wipe out sort of like a strata of people who aren't really going to do much apart from drink strong lager and be mm. sick in my garden. And then, right. and then we're all going to be a bit happier, aren't we? What you always find, of course, after any decent war, you get this lovely lull where there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of dead people, I know. But you right. get a lot, a lot of creativity right. and things like that. I, and, I see and, what's going on here. What? Right, so first of all... Let's 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 unpack this, as, well, as the that, Americans yes. say. So first of mm. all, it stops Oikes bothering you on a weekend, right? There is an element of this. Yes, that's number one. Number two, someone banged on the window, right? Oh. So as far as oh, I'm concerned, have them shot, firing trench squad at dawn, folded cigarette for that man. That man would not be drinking his Copperberg or whatever, and no. then banging on my window if he was at the Somme. I thought where you lived, we still had sort of Bill Pertwee patrolling the streets and arresting hooligans. Well, I mean, to be fair, there hasn't actually been a crime since 1963 here. Um, Did you report them banging on your window? Not yet, no, but I have written the details down. Right, so the detective constable, when he comes round for his cream tea this afternoon, um, this will be broached. It will be broached. Absolutely, it will. The strong arm of the law is active. I shall uh, ensure there's a patrol on the streets as of this evening. We do have far too many patrols for a little village, and I think it must only it can only be to do with the postcode and the amount of council tax. Would I be correct in saying that you live in a conservative uh, councillor Interesting. Do you mean politically or in its viewpoint? So your, pol- your elected representatives where you live... Labour stripe or oh, Labour, okay. Labour so is a lot interesting. Of people near you knitting their own trousers and stuff like that, that. sort of thing. Well, yeah. what you've got, you see, is you've got sort of this this enclave where I am, um, yeah. this side of the park, which is basically you've got an awful lot of arty people and teachers and things like that, and then the other side of the park, the Raffia Quarter. Oh, no, that's where the big houses are. And right. that's where the people who import silk or something or beat foreigners for a living live. Um, so it's a strange sort of like slightly... Yeah, we've got this park in the middle that seems to um, uh, split us up. But there's more of us than them. So you've got this Labour voting um, village, but which is very conservative in its viewpoint. Very Right, so so Labour aren't really Labour around the the sort of Labour light. Imagine yeah, what I mean, is Labour now? I mean, it's well, Sir Keir Starmer, isn't it? It is, yeah. I suppose that what you've got then, essentially Labor here, is sort of not 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 a very extreme brand of fascism. I would like to think of it as being okay. okay. But what you do also have is occasionally people who come to the seaside because it's nice, drink Copperberg on the and beach, bang and then. <laughs> Bang on the window, and therefore trench warfare. I'm sorry. I, I love your threshold for anarchy. Someone oh. banging on my window. That's it. You that's, know, that's absolutely That's anarchy it. in my book. Call up the militia. Thrash absolutely. him. Absolutely. Oh, Thrash oh, yes. him. Absolutely. They would in, in the Isle of Man. They still do that, probably. I don't know. No, I but, don't think they have the birch there now. Oh, dear. That's a shame, isn't it? You'll have to cancel your trip. I you will. I was oink. looking forward to that. Yeah. So the man banging on your window would benefit from this war. Well, by being dead. But that would stop him. That would stop him banging on your window for definite... I could come back and haunt you, like a blind spirit. 
Yeah, no, no, no. What, what it would do is it would stop him banging on my window, but also it would stop him procreating. And therefore, ah. and this is the point, we're going to lose maybe for the next 50 years offspring who would also bang on the window. Right, maybe under a Carmichael administration, I must put the lady vape down, maybe under a Carmichael uh, administration, some form of sterilisation programme might be uh, rolled out in order to stop these types uh, procreating, thus avoiding the necessity for a war and, and a considerable saving in the national purse. No. No, this won't do, because they're still going to be around. Um, they'll be younger than me, oh, so for the rest I of my see. life, occasionally, someone might bang on the window. So that won't do. War or nothing. What about if they have some issue which precludes them from signing up to fight? Well, you'd always find one of them. Like in the district nurse, there was a boy who was a bit tapped. Um, right. and, and so he was, you know, he was allowed to clean the boots. Um Trying right. to think of his name now. Began with O. Um, wasn't Owen though, strangely. So but what anyway. if? What if the yeah. guy who banged on your window has a legitimate medical excuse? Sterilisation. What? What is a legitimate excuse for banging on my window? These days, he might be triggered by the thought of war. Well, that's all the more reason to send him out there, isn't it? Because oh. then it's like immersive therapy. Then, so yes. you're doing the boy a favour. Yes, I, I, I do believe that the cornerstone of psychotherapy is to confront that which you are afraid of. So there you go. So, so the, that's how you chap, get it past Sir Kia. That's how you get it past Sir Kia. You say, Sir Kia, what we're doing here is basically what Freud would have uh, wanted. We're sending him out there to be shot in the head. But he won't be troubling me again. He won't be banging on my window, unfortunately, as he is tied to a gun carriage. Yes, that's exactly it. I mean, he'd be one of the he'd be one of these who'd try and desert, no doubt, and so he'd have to be shot by his own side. But and I would personally sign the telegram to his mother. So no, I've, you can have no quarter for this sort of behaviour, as far as I'm concerned. And it absolutely would, not. It would give you a fertile breeding ground for uh, future drama and comedy productions. There I mean, um, Albert Steptoe in Steptoe. He's he's a World War One veteran. Pil Pilgrim. Oh, what a lovely war! Pri Private's Progress is the episode of Steptoe. Oh, what a lovely war! Um, Blackadder goes forth. Blackadder goes forth. Up the front with Frankie Howard. Wonderful stuff. When the boat I mean, comes yeah. in. Yes, Upstairs. there's so much here. Absolutely, so much here. So I can't see a reason not to. I don't want. Obviously, I mean, I don't know what. Putin's up to. I think he's just probably arsing about for a bit of a laugh, to be honest with you, while he's yeah. not dancing on his burr. But, you know, it, I wouldn't want that sort of a war because that would involve me. However, a war that takes place over in Belgium, I'm all right with that. I like Ooh, Belgium. Nice I, went to, I went to Belgium yeah. four years ago. Belgium is lovely. I don't have anything against it. I yes. actually toured the front lines and, and that was picturesque. So, was this uh, a fact-finding mission for possible reopening? It was like a recce, yes. So <laughs> so maybe it would some be... I know, actually, you could combine both things here, couldn't you? Mm. You could have a war to mm. thin out the oiks, as you yes. wish to, right? Yes. It could be good for the economy, um, yes. aside from anything else. Um, yeah. But aside from it being an actual sort of war, it mm. could be a kind of a theme park stroke. You know, it could be a production in itself. You know, whereby well, people just go and look at it. It's not actually... Nothing's decided over it. It's no, simply absolutely. like the Hunger Games. I'm sure you've seen the Hunger Games. Is it set in Hungary? 
Oh no 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 no! Mockingbird. What? It's a yes. It's a dystopian uh, film uh, franchise set in uh, the near future in America, uh, whereby there are different provinces that, because they're kept poor, and all the elite, like you, are in a citadel called the capital, and they all sit in there and they watch every year. People are selected from these provinces, brought together, put in a sort of wilderness where they all have to fight to the death. And then whichever one wins becomes a celebrity in the capital. So essentially what you're telling me is that somebody modern has nicked Peter Watkins' Punishment Park and done it on a big budget, but yeah. made 15 of them probably. Well, I think there's there's four films, but I think there's a TV series and all kinds of other stuff. <coughs> I don't... No. No, not like that then. No. One no, American, like two no. common. No, absolutely ah, not. No. Are now, we talking it, about the war zone in the war games first mention? There we go. Okay, I could go with that. Right. Now, that would make a brilliant theme park. And I think you've come up with a really good idea there. Because not only would we get rid of the riffraff to do that, but they'd right. also have the fun of dressing up in period costume. And everybody enjoys that. Ah, but that would be the sort of platinum members ticket, would it not? Whereby well, you for get observers, to... do you mean? Yes, so you could... Yes. So, so with the platinum pass, you get to dress as a general... Yeah. Um, you get to go in a nice big sort of wainscoted office, a long mm. way back from the lines. A chateau, um, yeah. Yes, yes, a, sh- a chateau, quite so. A chateau, yeah. and um, you have uh, fine dining, mm. exquisite wine, yeah. Michelin-starred food, for star, yeah. obvs, um, sumptuous accommodation. Yes. So that's the platinum pass, isn't it? Perfect. There we are. Now, yes. do the oiks on the front line, do they get rations containing potentially golden tickets like Willy Wonka so they might get a pass out for a day? No. (laughs) Why would you do that? Absolutely (laughs) not. Because the spirit of mercy is not strained. Oh, it bloody well is. No, absolutely not. Bang on my window, you can fuck off. Pants and drops of blood. Piss off, Portia. What you've got to think, what you've got to think here, and here's where they would be happy, right, Right. is of course... I was reading recently about what Harrods They'd be happy. Used... No, they would. They'd be happier. Okay, because I was reading recently about Harrods and what Harrods did in World War One. And there was this lovely thing where if your loved one has gone off to World War One, you could get Harrods to send a hamper to them at the front, right? And right. these hampers would contain potted meat and they contain beer, okay? But they'd also contain a small syringe and a vial of heroin. Oh, so they'd be happy because they probably all because this man I've no doubt is probably a Zamo Maguire type. So no, there you go. So he's got that little concession. He's got he can have a, a bottle of Copperberg and yes. and some crab, but he's also got his smack, I which he can enjoy. A, a Mackies, as they call them. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not opening a franchise. Absolutely no, not. No, no, no. This no. is this. Look, so his family. Yeah. Are allowed to if send ha- him. If he has one. If he has anyway. one after the sterilization. His mm. family are allowed to, at a highly inflated price, buy hampers from you as the controlling contractor. Uh, mm-hmm. And they get to choose from a checklist of things. He can have a cold McDonald's. Okay, yes. I, a calculator yes. full of heroin. Yes. In keeping with the Grange Hill theme. There we are. Um, a bottle of co- Copperberg. Bottle? Just a bottle? Is that all you gave it? Did you it? nearly say a bottle of cock there? I might have done. I might have done. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. A, a bottle of Copperberg. A McDonald's. Yes. A calculator a, 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 full of heroin. One. Yes. 
calculate for the heroin. Is that it? Yeah, well, that's it. That's and not a lot for a top fifty quid. Uh, yeah, it's cheap, isn't it? But and then after that, over the top, off you go, son. Pop. Yes, yes. absolutely. Point three. And therefore, what you then get is this strata no longer bothering me and knocking on the window. Which has happened once this year, I admit. But as far as I'm concerned, that is enough. That is enough. Some might argue argue that the threat of impending slaughter in a sort of muddy shell hole, stroke hell hole, is a disproportionate response to someone banging on your window. Well, they'd be completely wrong, wouldn't they? What time was this knock? Uh, about four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so it wasn't even in the small hours. No, no, it wasn't. No. Which, which probably means that this could have been, I don't know, a twelve-year-old or something. But nevertheless, you'd send nevertheless, him. yes, send him out there. And then, because they were always saying that, weren't they? They were always trying to sign up, join up when they were underage. Let, let him do it. Absolutely, let him let do him it. Do I've it. No so, issue with that. World War One. Nice yes. thing or not. Under these circumstances, nice thing. Very nice, nice thing. thing. Yeah. Yes. We only have it stops this hooliganism, lovely thing. Yeah, I, I would... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do I agree with mechanised slaughter on an industrial scale in order that I may peaceably go about my business? All right, let, let me give you a choice. You've got that, or you've got the option of Putin... Getting overexcited on the back of a burr and sending you all to threads. Hmm, that doesn't bother me so much as arseholes in baseball caps. Well, there you go. Right, what we've got here is a solution. Sensible policy for a happier Britain. I'm afraid I'm with you and Britannia. Over there. there. (laughs) Over there. Yeah, send them. Yeah, all right, send them. There we are. That's that sorted. This requires a lot of work, though. Yeah, but not by me. Obviously, I've had the idea. Ah. Now you employ people to carry it out. Did you That's have volume go there? No, it's me. Sorry, yeah. and then you you employ people to what? Volume just went. Well, you employ people to do the actual donkey work for you. I mean, when it comes to the planning, I'm more on the ideas front. You know, I, I don't think I'm an anybody... ideas man. That's the sort of thing. Yes. I mean, I don't think I don't think Haig really did much, did he? General Haig just sort of no. said, "Well, do that." That was it. Lions led by donkey work. There you go. There you go. I can't help but my eye is distracted for our listeners who aren't watching this. I'm sure our watchers have been distracted by this. The image over your right shoulder of Tom Baker. Uh, Tom Baker. With, uh, Derek Deadman from the Invasion yes. of Time as a Sontaran at the front, which is... I always wondered why on earth did... I, I think this was a bit of uh, tomfoolery on Douglas Adams' part, whereby he had the Sontaran mask redesigned around, around Derek Deadman's features, who makes a terrible Sontaran, by the way. He's um, an awful Sontaran, isn't he? You've got he? Kevin but, Lindsay uh, as a Sontaran at the bottom. Down here. Yes. And then this chap, I'm not sure what his name was, but he's from the two Doctors. But uh, who, yes. And they were too tall, those Sontarans. They were big bastards, weren't they? Because the, the Sontarans yeah. should be hatched and they should be little fellas. I think that's Little why Dudley the casting of, um, of uh, Mike from The Young Ones. Oh, uh, uh, Christopher, Christopher Ryan. Ryan was a good idea in the UC. However, it mm. looks like you've been down the local co-op because you live in an area that obviously has a co-op. People do, without yeah. cars who knit their own trousers. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, like you. Um, yeah. And it looks like you've photocopied a, a Mackay era Doctor Who logo and then cut it out with your with your sort of uh, primary school scissors and glide it or prit sticked it onto it. Am I correct? No, you are quite incorrect here. Now, this is because, of course, last week I'd been given an awful lot of lovely things related to my grandfather, but there was also ah. several bags of tat as well. Um, so these are the genuine article. These are This is a poster uh, I from my thing. I can see it folded now. I think it's a 1987 Doctor Who magazine. Right. And I've got I've got another six different ones there, so I think I shall display a different one each week in the gallery. I just wonder why here. the logo is monochrome. That's bothering me. Is it? Oh, well, it's bothering me. Well, it's not bothering me, but my mind being, you know, uh, uh, mm. in line with Piaget and his theory <laughs> of constructivism, on which I've just written an essay. Um. Very exciting essay. Very exciting <clears throat> essay, yes. Yeah. Um, my mind immediately wonders what the story is behind it. So I'm guessing 1987, probably, mm. it's one of two reasons. They hadn't finalised the logo, so they hadn't chosen the colours. Or mm. secondly, they were in a rush to go to press. I suspect the latter. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect do. it's going to be the latter. Was that Gary Gillat days, or are we talking prior to that? We are. Oh, no, we're, we? we're prior him. I think Gillat was nineties. Uh, he was at yeah. late nineties. I think. I like um, DWM then. I I love that period between nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety six. I I adore the the fan fiction, the magazine, the way that we were all asked and went to groups. Um, I, I think that well, there was a, a lovely fertile. creativity, wasn't yeah. there? There was that sort of like you know esprit de corps, but you know we, we've not got the thing. Let's do it ourselves. Yeah, but but some of it wasn't shit, uh, no, which it I wasn't. rather like. I, you know, I, I, and some... we spoke about this the other week. Devious, sorry to talk over you, but mm. Devious, which um, they enlisted Pertwee for, didn't they? In about eighty mm. nine, was it? It was long before he died. It was a good few it years before it. he died. It was before, yeah, um, but yeah, that lovely little uh, fan fiction that bridges the gap between Troughton and uh, and Pertwee. Yeah, um, still yeah. Unfinished? So you got, yeah, you got lovely things like that. But then you got um, Bill Bags making his uh, short films. You don't um, like Bill Bags, though. No, it's not that I don't like Bill Bags. I don't like Bill Bags. I've heard one or two people say that he uh, could be a bit slow at coming Sharp forth with practice. the practice. Oh. Um, but no, I think that those early films he makes the, I mean, they are wonderfully atmospheric little pieces. Um, plus, they're shot on videotape and they're in four three. So I like that. There's you a know, lot of charm this- to the real time stuff for people who don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about fan produced Doctor Who stuff. We're talking about Doctor Who, which immediately yeah. means people are going to start spinning through or, or yeah, whatever it may be. So, so. Spin but through for, ten minutes and you'll find us talking about something else, don't we? But for Paul but no, and absolutely. I, that period, uh, like other mm. fans, just to give people context as we're waffling on, we're talking about the period between the TV series ending and mm. actually I'm talking 2005, aren't I, really? I'm not talking 96, that was the TV movie. Yeah, um, we, got, we got one little movie there and that was about it. Which and then I there love, were other bits and pieces. Care. I oh no, I, I love it. I remember um, when that came out on VHS, uh, which was a little bit about a week before it was shown on TV, HMV in Liverpool had a midnight opening um, for it. And I was absolutely there right. at midnight, getting the copy there and then and, and watching it. I was just like, oh. It's a big broadcast in the US first, hadn't it? Um, it was. It hadn't been broadcast when it came out on VHS. But right. what, I, what I can tell you with this one is um, I went to some... <laughs> convention in Manchester and the producer of the film uh, Philip Seagal was a guest 
And he came along and he was talking about it. And then he said, well, would anybody like a sneak preview? And I'm, oh, yes, please. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Very yes. much. Um, and so he brought with him a CD with the rearrangement of the theme music played by an orchestra. And it was just glorious. I don't think it was fully orchestra, uh, orchestrated. I think there was a fair bit of electronic music yeah. um, being played out. But it was absolutely to hear this theme tune. Oh, and then when it, when it took off with the actual da, 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 there was yeah. just this way through the crowd. Oh, and then at the end of it, everyone was just like, wow. And then someone near the front put his hand up. And he said, yeah, we've got a question. What's your question? And he said, um, are you trying to make it sound like Babylon 5? And someone at the back of the at the back of the hall just shouted, fuck off, you cunt, at the top <laughs> of their voices, which I rather appreciated. So you um, got away with that shout, did you? Uh, had to. Somebody had to. That was also the convention where I saw someone bidding for a letter. And this was a letter which had been sent by Jason Connery saying to the organisers of this event, saying, thank you for your invite, but I'm afraid I'm unavailable on that date. That's all the letter said. And two blokes got locked in a bidding war for it. And eventually it got to 160 quid. Wow. This chap dropped out and he was stood there with a plastic bag. I remember he looked absolutely furious. But he, he dropped out and the other bloke got it. And so this bloke walks up to the front of the stage to collect his letter. And as he walks past the man with the plastic bag, he lamped him. He just no. smacked him in the face. Was, oh, that was exciting. I've never, ever enjoyed myself so much. It was I'll just... that. So there was that. And then the weirdest thing was there was a sort of an intermission where they brought along... The dance department of a local college. So there were, and suddenly there were all these girls who were about 17 years old dancing to the theme tune from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was, and I was quite pissed by this point, didn't know what was going on, and trying to flirt with Debbie Watling as well at the same time, so it didn't and occur that people much. People call you nerds. It's odd, isn't it? It's really odd. I have just here within reach mm. um, the classic. Uh, well, it's the script of the film. Um, but mm. the, the classic photograph where Mackay hands over the key to the TARDIS to McGann. Uh, apart from having matching hairstyles, um, Mackay's brilliant in that. He is. He's superb. He's I think that McCoy in that shows you just how good McCoy could have been with time. He was too young. His mm. characterisation was all wrong for me. Um, yeah. The costume, ugh, it's horrible. I mean, it's not the... App apotheosis of, of JNT's sort of indulgences. I'd, I'd say Colin Baker is that. Mind you, the bloody the question mark umbrella comes close. Um, mm. But by the last season where he's in a more toned down thing and I mean, he's still got a tank top with question marks all over it, hasn't he? He does, but he's toned down and you've got very dark stories and he's playing like, it dark by that point. And suddenly you've got a lovely series, but I think the movie shows what they could have achieved if they'd have just been given time. And that's something that McCoy has actually said in interviews. He's, he's said, we, we didn't ask for more money. We never said we needed more money. We just said we need more time. Yeah. You know, because they were yeah. still being constrained to that whole thing of a week's rehearsal into studio for a day. Yeah. Try and get a whole episode out. And that's a hell of an ask in 1989 with when they're trying to experiment with early CGI and stuff. That's a big ask. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> I, I mean, yeah. It, it it left me cold by then. I discovered girls and cider by then, so yeah. I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid I wasn't watching it by then. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it sort of linking the two was. I'd say the better of the two 
um, 30th anniversary celebrations was made. Was was that a real time, was it? It was certainly, I was at BBV. Um, I think it was a BBV pictures, wasn't it? You know, the uh, the Doctor's 30 Years of Time Travel and Beyond? Yeah, that was that was Bill Baggs. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I'd say that one was better than the BBC one. The BBC one was fantastic because it had a plethora of clips and it had lots of people. But I think the interview with Mackay where he sat outside that pub in London, uh, Davison walking through, I think it's the location for Maudrin, isn't it? The, mm. aren't they? I'd say that was the, for me, I, I, I like that one. I like that one more. Well, what's lovely there is, of course, Davison is just at that point, because 1993, where he was sort of hating the series. It's crap. And hating the, fa- absolutely, when he takes his glasses down that at one point, crap. just to say it's crap, it's like, oh, okay, that's brave, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there we go. Fair well, Davison I think was champion then, wasn't he? So, he was. I mean, Davison was still very much in demand as an actor. It's strange oh, yeah. to watch them all sort of come back with the tail between the legs. Davison being one. McGann in that bidding adieu, uh, which is another mm-hmm. Bill Baggs, the, the, the documentary for the TV movie when they're in Vancouver filming it. And uh, he's like, what do you say to the people who, to Paul McGann, what do you say to the people who accuse you uh, of being the George Lazenby of Doctor Who? Wouldn't bother me, mate. Wouldn't bother me. I remember he yeah. sat drinking red wine, isn't he? And then McGann scuttles back to the conventions circuit. And uh, oh, Eccleston, yeah. Eccleston, you know, of yeah. all of them, he's back on the convention circuit. And now he's doing the big finish. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of like, I find it really strange that seasoned pros who know the business, mm. and then I suppose there's a certain element of, you're going to have me back, so whatever. Well, yeah, plus the money is good. Well, yeah. So there's but they that, all come back. Everyone's got to make a living. <coughs> so it, I think it's understandable, really, eventually. You go, the monocle mutineer? Yeah. There's another perhaps. World War One link for you, mate. Perfect. Well, Excellent yeah. series. Superb like that series. I love that one. I remember there's a scene, because I haven't seen it since it was broadcast. Was that 89 around then? 86, I think. 86. I think so it's I just that, before Withnil, isn't it? Yeah, so I remember there's a scene where someone just... gets a right kicking on the parade ground. Yeah. And there's a shot where they've got the camera on the ground looking up at this soldier as though as though they're the victim. And this uh, this soldier, this sergeant major or whatever, says something straight down into the camera lens and then wallop, bang, boots straight on the lens. Yeah. I remember that having quite an effect on me, that shot. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because this comes again with this sort of semi-resurgence of BBC drama in the mid-80s. It's sort of... I think that in the late 70s, um, it starts... Play for Today starts thinning out, doesn't it? Then they go for Play for Tomorrow. Uh, The Wednesday play stops. So it's sort of... It gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And then they start to focus on these Sunday night... They bring it back as sort of Sunday night dramas, don't they? Yeah, that's right. The Monocle Mutineer um, being a, a good um, example of that, which kind of harvests from, I think, isn't it? Isn't isn't the Monocle Mutineer Bleasdale? I think it is. Yeah, I think so. So, so Bleasdale's kind of maturing into a different style of writing, which you know sees um, bears real fruit with like GBH and um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Thingy's Law. Sutherland's? No, thingy. Uh, it'll come to me. Um, the one, uh, another um, Robert Lindsay one, um, 
where um, he's in a care home. He runs a care home. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Are Jake's we post ninety two. Jake's progress. So. Jake's progress. Post yeah, yeah, ninety two. Yeah, yeah. You're just in there. So um, yeah, I think that late eighties. There's that. I think final flowering really. Of yeah. you've got the Green Man being another example of that. Albert Finney. Oh, oh my now god, that's, he's, a, he's so that's another that. one. He's so there are good some, in that. There are always shots in these things where these directors, I think they've just gone, let's do that shot. So Monocle Mutineer for me, it's the boot coming down on the camera. Green Man, it's the girl being lifted up by the tree. And suddenly yeah. you've got a shot of her torso and the branch through it. Horrible, just, horrible. There's a little bit of what presumably is just a little bit of bacon hanging off, like a bit of entrail. That freaked me out. Terribly. Horrible. And but I'm trying to remember stuff. now. I've just checked it was Bleasdale, so I just mm. I just wanted to make sure of that because that's my thesis cobbled. Um <laughs> if it isn't. Um but yeah, that scene is um it's just horrendous. I mean mm. the end of episode one where he where he finally speaks to Underhill. Um, he's been seeing him, hasn't he? And he thinks it's the yeah. DTs and all that stuff, you know, in fine... Isn't that Amos? Is, isn't that... Uh, it is, Martin it, Amos. It is. It is. Um, yes. um, obviously not the younger, because it's about yeah. a lot of boozing. Um, he, he meets Underhill at the end. He comes down in the night and he's there. And um, he, he shows him all this stuff. Um, and he just smiles. He's so corrupted. He's like, he's sort of, so Underhill's there, played magnificently by Michael Culver. Um, and he's like, you know, you are a terrible human being. I am a terrible human being. Shall we join forces? I will show you. You, I think he says something along the lines of, I will give you a life beyond your wildest dream. You know, I'll make all your dreams come true. And the episode yeah. just ends with Finney looking gleeful. And it's just like Jesus Christ! This is, this is not your regular characterization. No, not you at know all. what I mean of a drunk. Because all the way through, he's been having the DTs. He's been waking up with the night terrors, with the alcohol. He's been seeing things. He's, you know, but I mean, so he's having all these affairs. Mm. Um, he's a great character as well. Everyone loves him with his vintage uh, Bentley, and you know, he's he's a wonderful host at. It's his uh, gastro hotel. Yeah. So he's well loved, but he's got this sinister, effectively um, evil side. And mm. that smile at the end of that episode. It's wonderful. It's ab But you're right. You did get, you're, you're just at that point where you're getting some wonderful things. Screen two. Yes. Comes about, of course. Yeah. And you start to get um, wonderful things there. And there's a brilliant one. And the name of it's gone out my head, and it begins with P, and it's Miranda Richardson and Bob Peck. Oh, yeah. Now, that one is just genuinely perfect television. Um, and so good that I can't remember the name. Have a Google for us. Uh, but it's Bob Peck and Miranda Richardson. Well, the only thing that's coming up is After Pilkington. After Pilkington, that's it. Oh, okay. that is this stunning. This is to me. Oh, so After Pilkington knows. is is absolutely beautiful television. Um, the two of them working together. And I watched it because I knew Miranda Richardson ah, from watching Raina it James, daughter of Sydney. There we are. Um, um, who then later on came up with the idea of the Teletubbies. Can't fault her. And um, Sid's son, Steve, 
did the music mm. for Teletubbies and had a number one hit. Steve James, being the producer of the Ruttles and all kinds of things, produced the theme music for the Teletubbies. Someone goes, eh-o or something. That's right, eh-o. Mm. Teletubbies say eh-o. Yeah, Steve Absolutely. produced all of that. And he's very proud is of he, it. Is he happy to talk about it yeah, or just happy yeah, to yeah, live yeah. on the, the royalties? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very happy to talk about it. I'm so Ray and his sister came up with the whole concept. Um, uh, right. Which was a phenomenal success, as we all know. It's a superb. Uh, I would it's, say it's, it's been translated into other languages, but you can't really translate the tra- Teletubbies. Can you? Well, this is the thing. All you've got to do with that show, that and subsequent ones that have come after it, like in the Night Garden, mm. all you've got to do is replace the narrator. And the rest yeah. of it, the music and the characters, stay exactly the same. And it's interesting because uh, my, my eldest likes all of this. Um, they're doing all of these spin-offs from uh, the, the Star Wars, um, like The Mandalorian, and mm. there's another one. And what's interesting there is they keep the dialogue to an absolute minimum. And yeah. often it'll be characters who arise, they're prosthetic masks or they've got helmets on. And of course, it's because all you've got to do is a little bit of a redub and it sells to every territory then. And it is very much sort of a Teletubby sort of model that I think that Disney have very cleverly taken on. I like the um, but... Do you? Mm, very good. I love the concept art at the end, amongst other things. And I also like Bill Burr being in it. But we've strayed after Pilkington. After Pilkington is... Queenie from Blackadder 2, so I thought, well, I shall, I shall watch this. And I would have been, God, about 12 or something mm-hmm. when this went out. Um, so I thought, well, it's Queenie, so that'll be funny. Oh, no, it's absolutely uh-huh. not. Queenie likes having sex with people in this, so I was very much, you know, like, who? Yeah. Just fixated. It was, well, there was Gorgeous, an agreement though, in our... She? Oh, she's Still beautiful, Miranda Richards. There was an agreement in our house, which was I was allowed to watch pretty much what I wanted... But I always agreed that if there was any swearing or anything rude, I would immediately put it off. And we came up with this agreement uh, because I was desperate to watch the young ones. Ah. And so I said, if there's any swearing, I promise I will turn it off. And the episode I watched was, I think, Time, which starts with Vivian repeatedly slamming his head into the wall and shouting, shut up, you bastards, over and over again. And as soon as that happened, I thought... Not turning it off. Um, so there was that. And then after, after Pilkington, there's a certain amount of raunchiness. And again, yes. oh no, Good, good, this. good. I shall find it. So I watched that and Bob Peck gets quite fixated um, with Miranda Richardson. It's years since I've seen it. But as I recall, the Pilkington in question is her former lover, I think. And you don't know what's happened to him. He's gone away and it's sort of like vaguely suggested that something went wrong and he's gone away. And then he's discovered at the end by Bob Peck lying dead in a forest with a pair of scissors sticking out of his neck. And there's this shot of Bob Peck and it's taken from the body's perspective. Again, a shot looking up of Bob Peck looking down at this body like, oh, Christ. And then Miranda Richardson just appears over his shoulder and... She does this, from that point, this brilliantly psychotic acting. Underplayed, but heightened at the same time, which is my favourite sort of acting. And so that's 1989, I think. So you do, you're right, you get this resurgence of... It's 87, actually. 87, there we go. I I would indeed have been 12. There we are. So there is this lovely resurgence. You're right, at the end of the 80s, this last sort of stutter... Of a, of a bit mm. of a golden age of television, with this stuff being made on film as well, it must be said, um, which which always jarred me a bit. I remember the other day, 
I watched the All Creatures Great and Small Christmas Special from oh. 1983. Oh, 83, 81. 83. Uh, no, which is the one, God rest ye merry. Is that um, 79 or summer? That must be. This is the one. It hasn't got a separate episode title, 83, but this is where James comes home from the war for the first time. Ah. Um, and he now, sees Helen this, and this they is, run together. This is where me and our creatures diverge. Is it? Why is that? The pre-war episode, the one set in pre-war... <clears throat> cars with running boards, the old uh, telephones. Uh, yep. Mrs. Hall! Um, yes. Because she croaked by this point. Yes. Um, the original uh, Malak, Nakaman. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of differences between the... So we had the initial run, didn't we, up till, I think, 80... You had, like, three series up till 81. You had two series yeah. made very quickly after each other because it was such a success. That's right. And then they run out of the books... Um, and then Harry, uh, well, Alf White, uh, pen name James Harry, starts writing, doesn't he? Um, yeah. And I don't think the ones set after the war are very good. Is this a Carol Drinkwater or Linda Bellingham? This is Carol Drinkwater. Oh, still. all right then. So it's probably I'm still all right with it. So you do get this lovely, and again, it's one of those shots that I remembered. I don't think I've watched this one since it went out. This one I would have been eight, and I remember. Two specific shots. One which is, well, he, he goes to the farm and her dad says, she's up in top field, which delighted me. Original away, dad? Dale farm. Original dad. Who's, isn't he in Doctor Who? I did recognise and I couldn't tell you who he was now. I'll find out for you because you'll... Have a me. look. Um, so and then you get this lovely shot, which is a wide shot and you've got the expanse of the countryside and they both run from one end of the of the shot to the other and meet almost but not quite in the middle. So it wasn't quite right. I think it was um, Terence Dudley directing. No, it wasn't. It was Peter Moffat directing. Um, right. And they almost meet there. And I remember that shot, but there's a real love that I think you can see right now. Oh, All Creatures is such a good series. Such oh, a good series. When it comes back wonderful. in 87, it's... Isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Well, when it comes back in 87, it's all made on video. You haven't got the mixture yeah. of video and film but then again with this Christmas special I remember feeling slightly jarred because you didn't have the mixture of video and film it was all on film yes and that didn't sit right so they went into the surgery and it was still on film and I remember that not quite computing with me um, yes and it's one one of those moments of sort of like starting to glimpse the mechanics of television I think absolutely I'm trying to find yeah. out um, her name uh, Mr. Alderson mm. Um is that him, John Collin? Yeah, John, John Collin. So he was one of the main guys in Zed Cars. Ah, um, right. And the okay. Doctor Who he's in. Which one is it? Mm. Uh, he's not in any. So that's me. That's me, knackered. Um, oh. But yeah, man at the oh, top. Well. He's in loads of stuff. Um, yes. And that's an abridged list anyway. But yeah, mm. the first series is great. 87 when it comes back with Linda Bellingham and you know a number of the cast are dead. By yes. that point, you know. He's great, isn't he, that runs the pub? What's his blood? He never pays his bill. Couldn't tell you. Must put the lady vape down. Um, couldn't tell you who he was, but uh, no, the whole thing is, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah, wonderful it, it really is. It really yeah. is. I mean, so you, sorry, go on. I'm just looking at the no, cast list say, so you, like, wow. Yeah, so you're quite right. You do get this, this resurgence, and I think it's probably the last time that we get that before... We start going for cheap and cheerful and everything's made on video mm. and, and it's all soldier, soldier and shy oh, like Soldier, that. soldier, dreadful stuff. 
Uh, Absolutely, the Jerome people. One of the Jerome and Flynn, wasn't it? Well, that was the sort because ITV come into the fray, don't they? Late eighties with London's Burning and the Bill. They sort of was like, right, what can we pick on you? You know, because the BBC had cornered the market on health professionals, really speaking. Um, So the BBC are like, right, we'll have the other two. Sorry, ITV are like, we'll have the other two emergency services. And uh, London's Burning. He was great though. The main guy in it who played Bayleaf, James Hazeldean. Mm. James Hazeldean is a very nice thing. I mean, you've got him in Chucky. He's he's brilliant in Chucky. But then he's also the lead in The Omega Factor, which made Murray Whitehouse have kittens. I mean, she wanted that band. Um, And she got in in touch with the Diocese of the Church of England or something to try and have this removed. Um, Especially when she discovered that part of it had been filmed in a deconsecrated church. Um, Wasn't happy with that at all. And that's a series which is... You know, it's like a prototype X-Files, but not American and therefore better. And mm. But that's still capable of being quite quite scurry in places, that one. So, yeah. Yeah, so but which, James which, Hazeldean's wonderful. Which part of the BBC made those kinds of things? Because <clears throat> there's another one with John Dottine in that's similar. Isn't Louise Jameson in it? Or... Uh, that's the, the Omega Factor. That's, that's the Omega Factor. Which is yeah. the one with John Dottine in, which is, is similar... Isn't well, he was Day of the, the Triffids. Artemis 1, 2, 3? He may be in that. I know he was the lead in Day of the Triffids. Yeah, so... What Was that a kind of... Uh, must put the lady vape down. Um, was that a thingy? Was that a, a pebble mill? Which one? All this sort of thing. All this sort of sci-fi stuff. Well, no, it's a, it's a strange one. Because if I recall... No. So, the Omega Factor was BBC Scotland. Um, and it's because they'd made Sutherland's Law with Ian Cuthbertson for right. years. And then Cuthbertson gave it up. And that was about the procurator fiscal being quite cross with a whiskey. Um, and then he leaves that. So suddenly it's like, well, we've got a drama slot. <clears throat> so what are we going to put in? So the Amiga factor goes in. And straight away they discover... As happened when Zed Cars was taken off and replaced by Blake 7, they suddenly realised, hmm, if you're going to use special effects and spaceships, it takes longer to film. Mm. So, whereas with Blake 7, they drove the cast into near nervous breakdowns, in the end they were filming scenes from five different episodes in one day. When it came to, When it came to the Amiga Factor, they just went, well, just make one less episode. And, and save time that way. It's a much more sensible way of doing it. Right. So that was BBC Scotland. Um, right. Scotland, most other yeah. things, most other things, I think, were just BBC Television Centre, I think. There were some was... great things, weren't there? There were some oh, really uh... interesting, innovative, and they wouldn't do mm. it now. Everything's got to be a cast iron winner. A cast it iron winner. It has to be. But we've, we've talked that one to death, haven't we? Um, well, we have, really, but it's true, isn't it? It's it is by committee. What by nice committee, things you got. What nice things you got this week? Well, only the one, and I think that we might have to discuss this, judging Good. by something that you were cryptic about the other day. Um, as you know, at the top of the show, I announced that I was a Desi Lu production. Now then, oh yeah, okay. So, uh, so the other day, um, because of course we've had this into exciting weather conditions at the moment with various storms and things like that. Piss um, off! Right, first of all, I take, right, go on. I take exception to that. That Why? was not a storm. Don't get me wrong, I was more than happy to go home and play my piano all by the fire all afternoon. Yeah. Um, however, that was I was driving back and I was just like, this is just raining. 
Well, it, so it's not a storm unless it almost kills you personally. Is that the, is that the, the well, rule here? Do you not think that we have lowered the threshold for what will make us close down society in the wake of COVID nineteen? No, what, for example, no. Would that no. did the fucking hell, Max Hector? Nice to see you. Did the Seven Oaks blow down? What happened here is we had quite a few large waves coming over onto the promenade. Wonderful, and I'm delighted you got home to see them, right? Yes. You know, don't get me wrong. Let us return to our initial um, descriptor of ourselves as people who would rather be sewn up in the mattress than go, than go to war, right? I'm with you. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I'm happy we got sent home. I'm not yeah. complaining about that. However, yeah. you know, uh, there really was no need. Well, in retrospect, maybe not, but I'm not complaining either. A little no. cheeky half day. Well, of course. Um, no, it was rather Not pleasant. that we stopped working for that half day at all. Oh, no. Oh, Good Lord, no. no. Lord, Did more no. work. Um, no, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so a couple of days before, during a similar hurricanic event, um, the train stopped working. Declension so, was... Uh, uh, de- was declension. <laughs> oh, I do love that. You um, love that word. It's a great word. It's the it's the pleasure of saying it. It's the cl- It sounds like relaxing the tension in one's buttocks. It d- absolutely does to yeah. declench. Oh, yes. I love so that so word. what what is the actual meaning of declension? Well, declension is just sort of a downward spiral, isn't it? So it involves buttocks. Could involve buttocks. It could involve buttocks. It's quite possible. However, whilst uh, whilst enduring the storm a few days before, yes. it wasn't much. Um, so my train was cancelled. So um, I actually it was a Cockney that made me late, but we won't talk about that. Common. Um, so what happened was I popped into the local sex shop or CEX, but apparently they think it's funny to call it sex. They do um, think it's funny. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's funny. No, Com- I think it's uh, irritating. But anyway, it is. So, but I, I popped in there and I discovered for four pounds, I discovered um, this, which is thirty episodes of the Lucy Show. Lucille Ball's not very good sitcom. Not as good as I Love Lucy by any no. means. I've and got I to love congratulate. Lucy is utter turd. Well, we're going to come to that. Uh, I've got to congratulate uh, Delta Home Entertainment for using well, um, for using the, films. Uh, you'd better speak to the um, what do you call it if you want to congratulate or even communicate with uh, Delta. You need to speak to the uh, what are they called? The, the the whoever forecloses on businesses, that's the sp- one. Yes, yeah, well, you better speak I, I think to the I, bankruptcy man. Yeah, I, I think I might know <clears> why. <throat> I mean, the the quality of the films in this that they've used is staggering. I think some of them are just downloaded off YouTube or equivalent. Um, dreadful, dr- dreadful quality uh, uh, films that they've used, but nice to have. But like I say, not as good as the wonderful, groundbreaking, just work of televisual genius without which we would have none of the nice things that you like that is I Love Lucy. What's your problem with I Love Lucy? Bloody hell. <clears throat> right, I Love Lucy. Why don't yeah. I like it? Um, yeah. She annoys me. So you've got that. Yeah? What do you mean? She what annoys mean, me. Lucy? She's like, what? hey, I'm so wacky. I'm wacky. I'm like a Poundland Judy Garland. Right? So she's irritating in that regard. Judy Garland's right. irritating too. Judy Garland is sort of got this uh, this cult-like status, which mm. is quite undeserved. 
you know, I understand her sort of uh, position within the cosmology of, um, you know, what is it, the, the sort of, what do they call it? You know, all that sort of, when they do the homotopia season and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And you've yes, got yeah. icons like Charles Hawtrey yeah. or you've got Kenneth Williams and Judy Garland is in there because there's that sort of tragic comedy element to it, right? Get that, all right? Still annoys me, mm. but I get that. Um, maybe this speaks to my um, fear of anything remotely sentimental that makes me cry. So Judy Garland films and Judy Garland's life in general um, yes. is, is quite upsetting, especially when she's, um, you know, dressed up as a tramp or something. Um, yeah. So um, there's that. Don't like right. Judy Garland makes me cry. Um, Lucille Ball. Uh, that'll be £68, please, Mr. Libsley, for your therapy <laughs> session. Um, um, payment in the usual manner. Um, so Lucille Ball annoys me. She just annoys right. me. Desi Arnaz annoys me, right? American oh, yeah. television of the 50s annoys me. So there's three strikes. How many more do you want? Now, me personally, they tell us that we wouldn't have anything without American television, right? You've just no. said it. No, Rubbish. no, 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 Rubbish. no, 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 I haven't said that. You However, said I wouldn't have any of the nice things I love without this show. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, right? right? You would not have sitcom without you this would. show. Of course you, you wouldn't. Would. They invented sitcom to make I Love Lucy. Literally. Golden and Simpson the... invented sitcom when they were ill. They did. They they did not invent. They didn't the watch television. I Love Lucy. All right, what, right. what years was I Love Lucy operative? Nineteen fifty one. It began. All right, then a little tiny bit before Hancock. Right, a little bit. Okay, so what you've got then is you've got you've got this. It's genius because what you've got is a woman all the networks wanted, and she for the first time you've got a woman who said basically, well, I want to make it like this. The network said no, and she went, well, you can't have it then, and she built her own studio. Point one. Point two, whilst we're in the middle of the hole, oh, aren't Cuba unpleasant? She's like, I'm married to a Cuban. He's leading. Oh, no, you can't have that. Well, he's leading. Well, you're not having the show. Oh, uh, okay. And he's exec producer. Oh, shit. That caused problems. I admire that. Point three, she hired a complete alcoholic in um, William Frawley uh, to come in and play scenes, who was renowned for just coming on set I pissed or falling asleep. That's why his character never sits down. He's always stood near the door so he's got something to lean on or he's brushing mm -hmm. up because they thought if we let him sit down he's just going to pass out in front of the audience. Point four, they introduced the whole system of actually filming th something multi-camera but having film in all the cameras so you could cut it together later and get accuracy. Point five... It, it, it's sponsored by a cigarette manufacturer, which I approve of. Um, no, you would not have the conventional sitcom, which begat all the others if it weren't for this. This is the first time you get a live audience in a studio watching a rehearsed comedy. This is where it begins. You've got to appreciate all right. that about it. I admire all of that. However, yes. you've not mentioned once whether the show's any good. That's not the point, is it? That's not. Also, that one and stay fashionable, Mister C. Right. Okay. Well, first of all, I've got the box set. Therefore, it is. Okay. There's that. All 156 of them. Or wow. Something. And you so have it's... watched them all, eh? Oh, I've watched them all. Okay. I've so watched... to rebut your point about multi-camera. Yeah. Right. Rudolf Cartier was doing that at the BBC prior to that. When? 1937. With a. He did. With a. Co with comedy. 
with a live oh, come audience. Come along now. You can't what? say that someone invented a technique simply because they applied it to a different area of the arts. I'm turning into Hancock myself here. You absolutely can say that because he did. I'm basically that whole idea of let's take vaudeville, and that's what it was. It was a vaudeville comedy. Let's give that to the whole of America. Okay, fair enough, but we can't transmit it live from New York to the whole country, and we don't want to move to California, and we couldn't transmit it live to the whole country. So we could record it onto a kinescope, onto a shitty film, but the quality is not very good. So let's go with this brand new right, way ground, of making television. Groundbreaking. All right, so so yeah. Lucy invented that, did she? Well, Desi more invented that than Lucy, right. but they came up with the idea. Absolutely, that was their plan in their own studio. In but Desi the show's Lou. not very good. The show for its time. You're talking Aha. about something that's 70 years old now. And it does have genuinely good moments. And when she when she goes for it, she's a superb physical comedian. There's an episode with Harpo Marx. And it's her and Harpo Marx. And they do a mirror routine. And the timing. Oh, God, it's beautiful. But it's watch. all this wacky. Hey, I'm wacky. Do you know what I mean? Because... Because it's 70 years ago and things have changed Yeah, but there's slightly. that strain with an American comedy, isn't there? That, you know, you've got you've got Rowan and Martin's laughing, which is similar. It's like, hey, we're all wacky around here. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like a mash is wacky. I don't suppose I like wacky, that's what it is. All right, I'm, you've got a choice here. We can either sit down and watch all of I Love Lucy or watch all of Roseanne. I like Roseanne. Oh, no, you don't. Absolutely not. Cheap oh, and I've con. Got the box I'm, no, I'm not here. having that. No, 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 no. You can't like Roseanne. No. I've never seen it, but I should imagine I would like it. Oh, well, you don't. Trust me. You absolutely don't. I do, I like don't. it. I, no, I you're not allowed to. I do. I you like John like... Goodman. Yeah, no, well, they kill him off because he didn't want. Yes, he gets I killed off. It was a dream at the end of the season, though. Uh, he, no, they, they kill him off. Uh, yeah, they, they say, oh, well, it turns out that actually he died before the start of this season. Bollocks. Absolutely awful, because they'd had a row or something well, like how that. how did he come back in when they brought it back on? Uh, they just ignored that. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, completely ignored it. No continuity, obviously. All right, Hancock yeah. or I Love Lucy? Hancock, because Hancock's good. Better. Ah. I mean, ah, ah. no, 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 next time. <laughs> no, no, Hancock's better. All right, the comedy is better, but the ending, I'm British, I'm going to appreciate that. Plus, you, it's not quite as polished, which is something that's beautiful about oh, Hancock. Yeah, it's when not you polished, get, Hancock. When you get those moments where Sid and, and Tony are just on oh. the verge of cracking up, there's one where he's in a cell, um, mm. Sid. And it's the yes. one where Hancock keeps coming to the police station and parking outside. Name and Bill Fraser keeps giving him tickets every time. That's he beautiful. I can't remember. Lawyer. And he's in the cell talking to Sid, and he fucks someone up, and mm. uh, it, they both go like the yeah. fast forwarding and rewinding a tape, and Sid yeah. just cracks, and it's just wonderful. And then there's how to is the, is it called how to win friends and influence people? Yes. I think it's that one. Oh, it's where he, it's the pool's winner one, whichever one it is. And he's sat in the cafe at the end. He's like, go on, roll the credits, roll them. Yeah. <laughs> and they roll them over the top of him. It's just be- and, lovely. And you've got, there's an airfield at the bottom of my garden, which is genius, isn't it? Because the whole thing, the, the crux of the episode was the idea that his house would collapse. Yeah. And it was triggered. So when the table collapsed, it would set off a chain reaction and the table collapses too early. So Hancock has to just do the whole of the rest of the episode holding onto the table. While Dick Emery comes in with Peggy, Peggy Ann Clifford 
to buy his house and sort of go, well, I don't think much of this. Uh, Ethel, do the test. And Peggy Ann Clifford just starts jumping up and down on the spot while Hancock's holding onto the table looking off camera. Like, what the hell do we do here? Until eventually he just goes, right, okay, and let's go of the table so everything can happen. Just those moments. You don't get those because obviously I Love Lucy is polished. But are all Peggy's in 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 British television big girls? I think so. I can't think of any that isn't. I mean, we can't really count Sue um, Sue Pollard's Peggy in Heidi High because that's not the actress name. But Fucking certainly, rubbish, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're telling me it was I Love Lucy. I was under the impression that American sitcom began with the Honeymooners. No, the Honeymooners comes considerably later. The Honeymooners actually becomes a sitcom in 1955 and only runs for 39 episodes. I checked just before we came on Earth. Ah, people is make that, that the one where he thumps his wife all the way through? Or is that just is that? It is, myth? and it's also famous for the one, for the fact that Jackie Gleason didn't like to rehearse it, um, right. and and so they had this lovely system of la- of uh, movements and gestures for when it was all going wrong. So if you watch the Honeymooners. And you ever see Jackie Gleason pat his stomach, it means completely forgotten the script, don't know what's going on. And everyone has to fill in around him. Um, Which is, again, you know, it's a a lovely system that you can see in British television as well. Um, Crossroads. There's a wonderful system where if Ronnie Allen... Oh, yeah. If Ronnie Allen, if the lines ever go, he just crosses his legs and then leans back. (laughs) Uh, And then you hear all the sound go... And they cut all the sound, shout his line in, and then he leans forward and continues. Brill, just brill. lovely stuff. The more lovely. I hear about him, the more I admire him. I mean, oh, absolutely. I know that it comes with time as well. It's it's not just brass balls. It's it's experience, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's one moment which I, I where he does his gesture, where his mad wife Rosemary, she's pretending she's got cancer for some reason, and and the woman who's playing her absolutely goes for it with all of these lines and he's meant to come back with this line which i know off by heart which is surely nothing could be worse than the stress of the last few weeks but the line's not there so she delivers all of this hyperbole and he just goes (laughs) and leans back and crosses his legs and waits and then leans forward slowly surely nothing could be worse but you just get this moment of good (laughs) <laughs> Which is brilliant dramatic emphasis, though. Wonderful, absolutely beautiful. Stuff. Well, maybe I'll give I Love Lucy a little go then. I mean, oh, it give just, it a go. It just annoys me. Um, however, speaking of which, it's not a brand mm. new nice thing, but it's it's going to be getting a read uh, over oh. this half term. Roger Wilmot's book on Hancock. Mm. Uh, shame that the spine has faded so much, but it's uh, oh, yeah. it's the only copy I could get at the time. Mm. Um, the photographs in this are incredible. Um, Tony Hancock, artiste. If mm. you've uh, if you've got the book, have you got the book? I've got it some. I have. I have got it somewhere on one of the shelves. Fantastic yeah. read. It's the best book on Hancock I've ever read. Um, mm. It's got all the the production dates in the back, and also the the production oh, like the numbers. List. If you like all that oh. stuff, if you like your lists. Um, but the forward is by Harry Seacombe, so we should have probably mm. brought this up on the Goon Pod. <clears throat> and the last photograph in the book is one uh, Harry took of Tony. He looks great there, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He looks, looks fantastic there. Uh, I'm guessing he's off the sauce there. Um, yes, I think when, so. When you see that one at the Royal Festival Hall, have you seen that? His last 1966, that is, yeah. Terrible. Terrible, that. He's so thin. 
Yeah, he's um, not at his best at that point. Of course, he just falls back on the old theatre material, doesn't he? As yeah, well, he had a whole new um, s- um, set written for him, didn't he? He did, and he just Green fell back on. Wrote him that. Yeah, and he and he falls back on the uh, impressions of George Arliss, but and by that point, nobody even by then really knew who Arliss was. It no. was so so long. However, ago. he gave us a great line that from that act, uh, which was one for the teenagers there. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, and that is used so often by people. <clears throat> he used to do his Elvis act as well. I don't know if he does that in the uh, Royal Festival Hall. I've not watched it in a while. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give that a read over half yes. term because it's a very nice thing. And yeah, um, nice Harry Seacombe replacing Hancock, as as we know, when he used to go periodically missing. Oh yeah, because didn't he do didn't he do a Stephen Fry and he got on a ferry and was discovered somewhere near Boulogne, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But nobody knew where he was, and it was for, for quite some time. And Hancock just uh, Seacombe just steps in, and of course those episodes have been wiped. I think just... there's one been discovered on, um, and I'm not I'm not certain what the format is. There's a few goons surviving this format. It says paper tape. Oh, mm, paper tape, oh, terrible quality. Uh, but mm. yeah, paper tape must look into that. I, don't I mean, know what that would be. Um, one of his famous. Well, the story's back. It was in front of his mother when he used... And he downed the bottle of brandy in one. And then he, cr- he was cracking another one. He was bladdered at the time. Downed a bottle of brandy, a Covassier in one. And then he was cracking another one. His mother trying to take him off. He begging him not to drink a second bottle. And then he just collapsed. And ended up in the hospital. And, uh, yeah, he missed the series for obvious reasons. Then, I mean... Yeah. It's it's, it's one of those things with, with Hancock. It's... Oh God, man! It's it's such a sad tale, and it's it's so unnecessary. But you know that was his psychology. That was yeah. unfortunately the way he was. Yeah, you know it's it it's one of those things, isn't it? Where it's tempting to say what would he have produced if he hadn't have gone to Australia in in sixty seven. <clears throat> but then again, would we have got the quality of the stuff we got originally if he wasn't tortured? If he wasn't pushing himself no, that way? You certainly wouldn't. I mean, it's it's kind of, and I think, I can't remember, there's a quote by Milligan. About, oh, yeah, yeah. He shut the door on everybody, and then finally he shut the door upon himself. That's the Spike mm-hmm. Milligan quote about Hancock, isn't it? He sh- closed the door on Kenneth Williams and Hattie Jakes, closed the door on Sid, closed the door on Galton and Simpson, and finally he closed the door on himself. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, Milligan is sort of, he, he would have understood the psychology, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, absolutely. But um, uh, but yeah, yes. Hancock's better than Lucy Ball. But there you go. Oh yes, obviously Hancock's better than Lucy Ball. Mm. Yes, but oh, nevertheless, what did she do it's... after all that American TV? What did she do? See, I remember her being on like chat shows and stuff, but she always seemed pissed. Do you know what? I don't think she was. What you've got? I mean, but the voice starts to go by. Right. By the end of the fifties, really, heavy and that's smoker, the, as I remember. Very, very heavy smoker. So by Especially the time you get to fags. oh yes, by the time you get to the Lucy show, which is sort of for the first half of the sixty, I think it might be sixty. I think it finishes in sixty six. The voice is sort of like quite deep, and it's you can hear the cigarettes by that point. So she does. Should have got a lady vape. It, it, she should have done. She, she should. Yeah, yeah, they could sponsor us. Send them. Um, Lady yeah, vape so, sponsors. I love Lucy. <laughs> More better for you than Philip Martin's cigarettes. But yeah, no, she I does I Love Lucy, then she does The Lucy Show, then she does Here's Lucy. Um, all of these uh, has run for about six you to eight seasons. Just, 
you have just reminded me right i know what? i know where i know it from now the show yeah and i know why you love it mm. <clears throat> right two words i'm guessing this is going to tap right into the heart of your obsession with this yep channel four channel four yeah Am this right? is where i encountered it channel yeah. four fridays at five o'clock yeah that's I when it was it. on it You've got an affection for all this, and we're both pointing. How strange. You That's have right. got an affection for this sort of thing. I've noticed this, and I mm. know where it's from. It's coming home, and summer, on the winter afternoon, on the telly, bang. And um, as I love with Lucy. With me, it's yeah. the Adams Family and the Monsters. There we are, you see. It's right there. It would have been about 88, 89 that mm. Channel 4 picked this up. And it was black and white telly, so I was fascinated. But what I loved was that you got I Love Lucy at 5 o'clock, and then at half five, there were two series which ran, well, I think they would have been a year apart with the astronomer Heather Cooper, whose name I remember was spelt C-O-U-P-E-R, Heather Cooper. Yeah. And she did um, The Planets was her <clears> first <throat> series. And then she did The Stars. So you got I Love Lucy, followed by half an hour of astronomy. And for me, that was just perfect. I mean, but yet yeah, to watch this series... And I think it was probably the first time I'd sort of watched an American TV series and tried to understand the difference between what they were doing and what we were doing. Um, and also, well, we I were think doing my, good stuff. Well, there was that, but also looking at these film prints, which were pristine, and then thinking, well, why are they like that when I've got my copy of The Seeds yeah. of Death and it's scratched to buggery? I, I, got, uh, I remember driving minis for years, and then I ended up... It's a very long story. I'm not going to tell mm. you. <clears throat> um, I ended up with a 1979 um, Datsun Laurel, right, mm. which had electric windows, it had electric everything, heated seats. It was beautiful, a beautiful car. And I'm thinking, mm. the 1979 Mini had, like, windy windows and a, a, a sort of button you pressed in the middle of the dashboard in order to get the water squirters onto the windscreen and stuff. And, and that comparison of the quality of Japanese cars and British cars in the 70s is the same mm. as British TV and American TV in the 60s and 50s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is. It is. I mean, obviously, for me, whenever I was watching American TV, usually it was very rare. But I do remember MASH being on. I remember that it was very scratched film. And then... Channel 4 also started picking up things like Roseanne, and so I saw a bit of that. And oh, I love Roseanne. It was on, but no, you don't. And it was five, 525 line video, and it was all smeary. And, yeah, well, and just yeah. Oh. I mean, American sitcom looked like that, that smeary yeah. stuff, didn't it? I mean, I don't actually recall... Hmm, you, you, you're going to not like this, but I don't recall Happy Days and Mark and Mindy looking smeary like that. Well, looked, I don't recall them being anything I would have watched. I know that, but they we, didn't we, seem we, smeary. We've established previously that, as far as I'm concerned, Happy Days was about a man with difficulties, and they all took him in and looked after him. That's the fonts. That's essentially it. He was a, he right. was a midget. Well, there you go. Mork and Mindy, bollocks. Awful programme. I didn't understand I what the point thought, was. I always thought, here's one for you, right? Hmm. Let, us, let us take this completely in a different direction. So... Okay. 1978, all right? Mm. I'm going to go with Yorkshire Television, oh. right? Youth of Joyce, uh, right? As Markham Mindy. Okay. Ex-prostitute, running a yes. guest house right. in Markham. Markham Mindy. Now, this 
I would absolutely. Okay, who's the who's the um, who's the? We've got to have a permanent resident of the of the got guest a permanent house. resident. Okay, male or female? Male, got to be male. Someone who's old, past it, doesn't really know what's going on, has a monocle that pops out occasionally, just as we go into the commercial break. It's that sort of figure. We couldn't go for the major out of Faulty Towers. That'd be too obvious, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, but it, it's that type. But I picture them as being physically bigger in some way. Um, it's not quite Arthur Mullard. But what I, was I, he called? Was it Fred Quimby or something? Oh, there was a... F- Big yeah. bugger. Fred yes. Emery? Fred Emney? Fred Emery was... Um, Wasn't he a big bugger? Let's let's Google him. He was. Tell you the one I would have had in there straight away. Willoughby Goddard. That's who he I mean. A, there we are. He Willoughby was a big, Goddard. That's precisely Willoughby who I mean. Goddard. He All was right, a good. big bugger. Oh, oh right. I don't know, though. Yeah. I don't know, though, because you could have... What was his name? Oh, bloody hell. You will love this idea. Right? Go on. You will love this idea. Um... Oh, bloody hell. He was from Ashton in Makerfield, which is where I'm from. Oh, my God. If I could only remember this actor's name. Oh, this is the classic, class. Parry. Parry. Bruce, Bruce Parry? No. no. Oh, tip of me tongue. However. Right, hang on. Hang on. Go on, you keep talking. I'll find you. God, actor. He, he turned up in stuff. He was like really fat and he talked like that. I don't know about that. You know, that kind of actor. Um, Yeah, and he's in The Young Ones yes. the, uh, where they go to hell. Yes. Um, and he plays he plays a very camp uh, landlord in yes. Crossroads and they call yes. him Dolly Dolman. Yes. Uh, it is. It's Ken Parry. Ken, Ken Parry. Parry. Ken yeah. Parry. Yeah. Can we have Ken? Ken. We'll Let's go have with Ken, Ken Parry as the big bugger upstairs. All right, there we go. We've got Ken Let's... Parry and Uther Joyce. Oh, I'm already in. I'm already. Oh. Give me 26. Oh, absolutely. Mark oh. and Mindy. So she's sort of. You know how she used to tart up? Yeah. She's in a boxing town in Steptoe, isn't she? Isn't she? Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, where she's sort of like. It's weird. It's just like, hang on, Ether looks a bit fit here. How's mm. she managed that? Yes. You know, so Ether, ex prostitute, runs a guest house. Yes. Ken Parry. Is upstairs. Parry. Yeah. Yes. There's got to be an episode called The Tax Man Cometh. It's got to be. That absolutely has to be. Ken Parry's got to own a budgie. He's got to have his budgie in his cage. Yes. Definitely. Absolutely. And the pub. The pub's the other location they're always in. Perfect. Okay. And she's, He keeps and spunking opening... his gyro in the pub on, on, yes. on, on beer and budgie seed. Perfect. Opening titles, a youth are tottering along the seafront whilst people are looking at old women, respectable women, turning around on stock film, looking at her as yes. she totters along. Music yes. by Alan Hawkshaw, but from the library. Yes. That sort of thing. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Mark and Mindy. Oh, you see? Beautiful. That'd be all right. Oh, I'd watch that. That'd be all right. She's got to have a dotty old woman as well, living there, who disappears. Are you still, you're still on the game, Mindy? Oh, love it. Who'd play her? Uh, I'd love Esme Cannon, but I'm guessing she was dead. Mm. That's the sort, though, isn't it? Oh, oh no, she's too big. She's too. I mean, I mean, she's too big. Miriam Carlin would just—you couldn't have her in youth. It'd be like matter, yeah, anti-matter, um, wouldn't it? I, I would go with who played who played Martha Longhurst in Coronation Street because she would have been available. Yeah, she'd have been available. Um, I'm going to find out her name because we'll we'll see if she is available. I tell you, would be good in it, Dougie Brown. Dougie Brown would have been Dougie wonderful. Dougie Brown. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, wouldn't okay, he? we'll have him. We'll have Len Dougie. Carroll. Len Carroll. From Len Corrie. Carroll. Right. I, where are we? Died in 1990. Perfect. Should have. It'd she'd be have Granada as well, way. wouldn't it? It wouldn't be Yorkshire. I don't Too know. Too close to rising damp. Yeah. Well, where we're setting it though? Markham. Markham. Yeah. Mindy. Oh, okay. So it's, per- it's Granada. It's Absolutely, Granada. it's a Granada. Right. Oh, Granada okay. colour production. Lovely. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Oh, we'll that. That'd be fantastic, we'll wouldn't it? Johnny Hamp. Yeah. Johnny Hamp producing. I'm guessing. Oh, I would think so. Okay, I'll exchange. I'll exchange me. I love Lucy box set for Morecambe and Mindy. Oh, I'd watch Morecambe and Mindy. Yeah. I think that's probably. I don't think we can top that. I think we're done. I think we are. We yeah, started off we... with you wishing to execute Ikes. Fair point. I stand uh, by this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, <I do>. uh, <laughs> we've ended up ah at the end of the opening titles with all the women disapproving mm-hmm. of her, all tarted up going out. A big wave drenches her. Oh, ruins her perfect. and her makeup. Yeah, look to camera. Mm. Yeah. I remember oh. you, Mindy, when you were taking men to the Midland Hotel. <laughs> As that woman, what her name? What was her name off Corrie would say? Uh, Lynn Carroll would say that. Oh, yeah, very disapproving. Sat in the snug, giving her, giving her daggers. Perfect. Oh. I want to go and watch that now. I'd love that. As oh, the rain perfect. lashes the windows, I want to watch perfect. that. Yes. Right, well, that about uh, does it for this week. So, until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And have a lovely week. I forgot that bit. Oh, yes, have a lovely week. <laughs> yes, have a lovely week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Please, Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.